It is time to talk about fantasy baseball dynasty rankings. That's right, folks. Happy New Year to you. Let's kick it off with catchers. It's time for diggers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Russell Martin that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again, as always, by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room. Robbie, how you doing, Mighty buddy? Duck, the Mighty Duck Man. I'm good, Ty. Uh, the happy Mighty New Year, Duck Man, Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> I do have on a classic Mighty Duck hat that my sister. Brought me all the way from America. Um, do she, they have she, Anaheim in America? They do. She lives in Orlando and she got me a hat from California, but I don't care because it's it is sweet, sweet, um, beautiful stuff. So uh yeah, w- welcome, welcome back. We we have been slow to record um because the strike makes things less exciting and the topical things that always get Ty and I messaging back and forth assigning a trade a cut or whatever they're just not happening and last year by this time we had released all of the dynasty rankings and that's when we really kind of shot up the um the podcast rankings to finish ourselves as the top uh fantasy dynasty baseball podcast i said that somewhat incorrectly uh, of 2020 and we are sorry of 2021 and we don't get to walk into 2022 having done that however um we will just earn it back in january so that's right uh, here we we are we're in no rush we've checked that off the bucket list now we're here for fan approval uh because we we lead them to the promised land uh we've done it consistently with guys like tyler o'neill and guys like tyler o'neill and guys like Tyler O'Neill, right? So um, at the end of the day, we're just here to help you guys win championships. That's what we're about. So fame and fortune, not our not our jam, even though we'll take it. Um, it's just not what we're here for. So Robbie, in order to get us started, let's uh, let's start the right way here. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. You hear this? Hear this? You know what that is, Ty? Smooth. It sounded like a wrapper. That's a wrapper because I'm drinking me a steam whistle. Um, I was thinking it's like one of those. What is the blue bottle ones where they had like that tin foil top? What's you know the one I'm talking about? There's like a Modelo or Morella or something. Anyway, is this steam whistle just came. the The can came with the the little uh, foil, so I thought I'd keep well, it classy. I, I've fallen in love with this little small batch Elijah Craig that I can get up here. Um, it's it's a nice little bourbon, um, and and it's available. 
So I, I step <laughs> over the people trying to get in line for the rapid test and I go get my, my Elijah Craig <laughs> bottle of bourbon. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a, the joke for the Canadian listeners. They'll appreciate that one. Uh, yeah. Especially if you're here in Ontario. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the government said if you want rapid COVID tests, just go to the liquor store. Literally. <laughs> Go like, to is, the liquor store. And is that not the most Canadian rabbit. thing ever, though? Like, 100%. in order to have health and, and safety, go get booze. Yeah, and when you're you getting your, get your beer, when you're getting your alcohol, <laughs> go get your rapid COVID test. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. But that's the world we live in these days. So, Robbie, we're talking catchers today. So we're going to run through top 25. And then Robbie and I are going to talk to our five guys off the board for each of us. And so Robbie will touch on a little bit later what we're going to do with the rest of the list. I know there's some guys that are further off and there's guys that you're going to want to hear that you think are dynasty relevant irrelevant. And we're going to tell you right now that they're not like you should be waiting on some of these guys. doesn't mean that you shouldn't be drafting some of them. Right. But we're going to tell you why people get lost, especially at the catcher position. Right. We all know this, Robbie, late to develop takes time. So let's just, run into it Robbie you can lead us off are we going to hit the top five or our five off the board guys first or are we going to go into the top 25 oh let's let's absolutely talk about the guys that we won't discuss again so these are the guys who are not in the top 25 rankings uh uh would you like me to spit my first rhyme or would you like to you have the guy who's the furthest back that you want to talk yeah, about I'll start the furthest back and I, and I think he's a guy that really um was overlooked in in the draft um and this is a guy that's in in Boston um, you know, a guy that should get more attention than he does. And that's Nathan Hickey, um, you know, a catcher out of University of Florida, a fifth round pick a guy that is, is not on anybody's board. And I think there's a lot of people that still have Connor Wong ahead of him. And I think that is a mistake. Um, you know, small cup of coffee last year, at rookie ball, uh, 250, uh, no real major power strokes, pretty common from a catcher in their first minor league season. Um, but his last season, at Florida, nine bombs, 50 RBIs, 317, batting average of 958 OPS. Now, aluminum bats, college ball, like blah, blah, blah. But this guy has has good hit tool, and I think he's going to be defensive-minded enough to stick at the position. So I like Nathan Hickey as a – if you're looking for a guy to target as a nobody in trades, he won't be a nobody in a year or two. Um, so I'm looking at him as a guy that's further down the list I'm looking at. All right. Um, he, that's an interesting one. And one of the guys who, uh, for our sake, because we always do try to do our dynasty rankings with a five year mindset, because it's easy to do redraft rankings and call them dynasty rankings. That's what a lot of other people do, or they change the rankings so often. There's no point in actually making a ranking because all you're doing is giving the list that you update a lot. And I mean, it, it helps depending on what type of leagues you play in. But if you're like us, you're playing in bigger leagues. Uh, you can't just roll through your prospects as much and as often as you want to. So there are some guys that you have lived with that you are now dying with. And one of them is our 63rd ranked catcher, Zach Collins of the White Sox, who finally got to become a major leaguer last year in 195 at bats. The poor guy was only able to put up four dingers, a 210 average and a 668 OPS. This is the death of Zach Collins. For all the prospect lovers out there, this is also a guy who was supposed to be a bat first, didn't have a position. And now he is the backup to third catcher with the White Sox. And I mean, you know, Yerman Mercedes knocked him clean off, you know, took away what 150, 170 at bats from him last year by coming in hot. Um, 
And Collins had a good stretch as a catcher. And that's what kept him around, right? Being behind the plate, which I didn't think was supposed to be a strength of his as he was coming up. So I was happy to see it. But somebody that that I have as one of my five guys to talk about, because people need to be um, acutely aware that a highly ranked, as far as a catcher goes, prospect needs to have a huge grain of salt with it because they have so much learning to do when they get to the upper minors and then into MLB that it is difficult. And if you are planning on investing in a highly ranked top 100 type catcher prospect, this is absolutely the outcome you could have. You could end up with Zach Collins, who two years in the majors, I mean, you know, 2020 was 16 at bats, but, you know, 200 at bats into his major league career and you would you would turn the page on him if you were given the opportunity. So that's why I wanted to mention him here. It doesn't mean he can't move up, right? He moved back in both of our rankings um, over 25 spots combined from last year. But that's what happens when you see how things are folding and you're on a competitive team and you're clearly not in a position to get in that lineup regularly. Yeah, and a guy that next on my list that fits a similar conversation uh, is Francisco Mejia, who came to Tampa Bay uh, from San Diego. This is a guy that I still think has a lot in the tank. Uh, switch hitting catcher, which is rare. Um, you know, there's only a handful of guys, Grindall, uh, Posada, right? There's only a couple of guys that have really ever done that. Um, I think this guy is going to have a little bit of a coming out party this year from the offensive side. You know, a 738 OPS last year is nothing to write home about. But as, again, we talk about this a lot. As, as a fan of baseball, we get to watch a lot of Tampa Bay being Jays fans. And you could watch the polish of this kid start to turn the corner. Uh, last season, he started to see some more professional at-bats. There was hints of power. And, in you know, the stuff Robbie just talked about in the learning curve, Mejia is ahead of that curve at this point. So he's at that point that he's ready to take a step forward from a fantasy value perspective. Now, is he going to be Buster Posey? No. But could he be a top 15, top 10 potential? Maybe. Right. So as a guy that has slipped prospect fatigue wise, similar to Collins, um, maybe not as far, but a guy that's certainly down a lot of boards. I think there's a there's a huge opportunity to grab Mejia and have huge upside based on the cost you paid for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is certainly a guy who was a top five catching prospect prior to losing prospect eligibility. And I mean. Yeah, you could probably get him for next to nothing, especially because of the year stupid Mike Zanino had in Tampa <laughs> Bay where he was a top 10 catcher. Um, and Ty, I actually looked before we started recording and I wanted to get an idea of kind of who was top 10 last year. And we, we can talk about that when we get there. But um, yet again, a player who we cannot rank as high as he deserves to be, but he he just continues to do it. Uh, Yadi Molina was, I think, the 10th ranked catcher last year mm -hmm. in, I think it was 8 by 8 was where I looked. But typically, you know, he was a top 15 catcher, I'm sure, across the board points and everything else. Uh, and that's just one of the, the issues we have with the catcher ranking is that a guy as old as Molina, who is not um, star-studded in the sense that, you know, he's got that pop laid into his career, he's just able to get it done because the chugga-chugga-choo-choo is very important with catchers, right? Not being yeah. part of a platoon, not all those things. Uh, you know, we got a guy like Tom Murphy who's ranked 45th, major platoon issues for Tom Murphy, and he struggled. So, yep. you know, you go from having the opportunity to seize a job to now you're hoping you and Cal Raleigh can work together. Um, but anyway, so my next guy up is 60th ranked Diego Cartilla with the Dodgers. Now, in a dynasty ranking, 
why would I have a 19, 20 year old coming into 2022 ranked so far back? Or why would we? Well, because he's with the Dodgers and he's so far back, right? He's only got to a ball last year after playing rookie ball in 19. And yes, the numbers are great. But Ty has talked about this just before we were recording with um, another prospect who's getting highly ranked and saying, well, you got to watch what happens when they move to the next level. And if you're in the Dodger system and you're in a ball and you're a catcher, you are not moving quickly. You know, Kyber Ruiz, who's now with Washington, was up and down very quickly. And everyone's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Um, you know, Cartilla is the future and Ruiz is going to have to be traded. OK, sure. He, he got traded. Um, they also still have Will Smith. <laughs> they, they still have players who are going to come into that organization and be gone before Cartilla sees an MLB at bat. Um, but he's great. And he's just further back for us simply because we are using that five-year time frame, And it's, it seems really hard to think that you can have him as a, an important piece of your dynasty team or having great trade value until he's actually up and doing it as a catcher because international signings get hyped so much. And last year I dove in deep to try to figure out exactly what was going on. And I, now I've got the wait and see approach, right? I went really hard into a lot of guys in 2021. Now I'm going to just sit back and wait. How many years is it going to take before some of these guys start to blossom, even as prospects, not even MLBers, just as legitimate prospects. And Cartier is on his way, um, but I think he was signed in like, what, 18? Like a long time ago. And he's yep. still just in a ball. So um, that's why he's at 60 for us. Nothing against the guy. And I, that's why I wanted to put it out there. So love Cartier. Far too young. Far away. Yeah, agreed. Um, Dylan Dingler's the guy that's a little bit older. Uh, college bat, I believe Ohio State for him. And that is correct. This is a guy that they Detroit moved very quickly. Um, this is a hit first catcher, but they believe defensive metrics are good enough to stay back there as well. Uh, I don't think he's going to have a choice in Detroit. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to learn from uh, Barnhart this year in the spring. I think he's going to start in AAA, but depending on what we see out of, you know, Eric Haas, who broke out last year, Hase, Hase, Jose, Xavi, whatever. Um, you know, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is we're not that, doing that again. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, hit 12 home runs out of the catcher position last year, but played at three levels. And, and so for me, that says Detroit's ready to move him. Um, and I think he's going to start in double move quickly to triple. And we could see him in September. So when we talk about catchers that are a little further away, but not really major league ready yet. Dylan Dingler's at the top of that list. So that's a guy that I'm, I'm in on in as many places I can be. Uh, I just think there's a lot here, and that Detroit lineup is getting better by the day. That's interesting. I have a very similar um, projected trajectory for a Yankee catcher, who we will talk about later. But for right now, we're going to talk about a guy who did have that trajectory and has now fallen back, and that's uh, Miguel Amaya, who for us fell in at 51. One of the big reasons, because Amaya is supposed to be coming up, he's going to be 23 this season. Um, he's not playing recovering from major injury. I can't remember if it was actually Tommy John that he got, but regardless, it was, uh, he will be out all of this year. He barely played last year. What did he have? A hundred and oh, 79 at bats, 106 plate appearances. Um, and, and it was a down, you know, brief, right. But it was down for him. Um, Amaya is still the future catcher for the Cubs. That's one of the reasons why they brought in Jan Gomes. I'm sure of it. And um, Wilson Contreras, we will talk about him. So I'm going to leave that aside. But Miguel Amaya has fallen back and will fall back in dynasty rankings for everybody. 
But if you are the kind of guy who wants a low investment opportunity that could pan out with a starter, now might be the time or when you get early in your season to go and get yourself some uh, Miguel Amaya with the Cubs because people will forget and new names will come up, especially after uh, the MLB draft in the summer, assuming we get a regular season and all that. Um, those players that get drafted will push Amaya down further in rankings when uh, the fan track, the different host sites start to put out their new uh, dynasty rankings for prospects and things like that. So Amaya will get cheaper up until the end of the 2022 season. Um, and by that time, he could even end up in the fall league if he's back and healthy enough so that he can get some reps. But I have, I have a no fear that they would not send him, um, you know, to go play some winter ball somewhere next year. So Miguel Amaya, 51. Yep. Uh, next on my list is a, is a major leaguer. Uh, and so this is a little different than the guys that we've talked about. Uh, and that's James McCann. Uh, obviously big signing last year, heading to the Mets. First year in the National League. So we, I talk about this all the time. The adjustment period is usually about a year. Uh, he also had to learn a new pitching staff, bullpen. He's going to have to do the same thing again this year. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And uh, deal with Buck Showalter, which I'm sure will be very easy to do. Yeah. You know what? As a catcher, he'll be fine. I think that's the safe spot uh, in Showalter's world. But the reality is this is a guy that still has lots of pop. He's, he can hit. Uh, and I think you're going to see a huge jump back. Um, I think a lot of people were disappointed with McCann this year. Uh, I'm pretty confident at some point beyond us dumping on catchers in general that we talked about McCann being a guy to stay away from for this year uh, or last year. Sorry. Um, but I do think you can get back on the train this year. I think the one year recoil, um, you know, a guy like Anthony Rendon, who we'll talk about uh, is going to be in a similar context in LA this season. So these are guys that I love to target because they're easy bounce back candidates and it doesn't take a lot, but their value is way, way, way down. Love it. I love undervalued players all the time. And, and unlike a lot of guys who try to hit the home run all the time, I will take a layup. And I think, you know, we talked about Yadier before James McCann fits into that like 15 ish type catcher ranking uh, potential with the home runs alone. You know, talked about Gary Sanchez in that breath last year. I think he finished 12. Right. So we, we talk about those kind of guys being easy to draft and McCann's values back way back of what it should be right now. So that's a guy that I'm just, I'm interested in. He's still young enough, big catcher, big frame. He's going to have a better lineup around him this year. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that tie and, and his replacement is in the Met system right now. And I don't know if he's in our top 25 or not, but if we don't talk about him um, by the end of the podcast, we'll or through the rankings. We'll maybe try to make a little mention of that. Uh, the next guy I have up is it's slim chance, a slim chance of success here, but a recent track record and an organization that might actually work out well for him. And that's uh, Yoel Poza with Texas. Uh, Poza finished this year with the big league club, but he did have pretty much a full season at AAA, uh, 315 at bats for the catcher position is pretty good. 337 average is amazing. 974 OPS. He also did the thing that us dingers guys like, which is he hit 23 of them. Uh, he also had 74 RBIs. And then he came up with the big league club and he wasn't getting all the fastballs. And uh, he wasn't getting those great counts that he was able to work in the minors. And he was able to, or not able, he struggled a little bit with the power, but still managed to finish with a 284 average. And again, without the power, the OPS isn't there, but limited at bats, 74 at bats. He's headed into next year as a prospect. I also think he's going to head into next year 
in in big league camp right up till the last week or weekend and then he's going to get sent down and he is absolutely going to earn an opportunity if he can do anything close to what he did last year um he has previously had 300 plus averages uh what year was it here 16 and 17 where he was able to do it at 19 and 20 and in a um low a and rookie ball so it's in him to do this and again like i said it's a long shot but um the, the little cup of coffee he had last year should not be enough for dynasty owners to say, oh, I'm not going to trade him because Texas is loading up with MLB veterans. So a guy like Pozo is going to have to earn it. He won't be given it as was originally thought before they spent, what, $2.3 billion on uh, free agents. <laughs> so anyway, well, Pozo is my next guy. I, I don't hate Pozo having a better shot than you're giving him right now. Like, yeah, Jonah Heim and, and Jose Trevino are not hurdles right like if you perform in the spring like you're gonna have a shot because you know trevino is the vet but heim could start in triple a the same way pozo could so you know i'm I'm not saying that pozo is gonna win the job but i think there's still a, a real chance and i know you said it's a long shot i, I don't know that it is i think there's oh. a very possible shot because sam huff's the other guy in this conversation we'll talk about later um but i, I do think there's gonna be some interesting depth chart moves that the Rangers are going to put into action this year. Yeah. And I was going to say, we talked about Sam Huff. If you want to want another wrap up on him, check out our fall league um, episode that we did. And we talk about all the guys who had good, bad, and otherwise um, fall leagues. And you can get some good information on not Sam Huff. Cause we're going to talk about him, but him and others. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the, who's your next guy here, Ty? Yeah, the last guy in my group uh, is a guy that I've talked about previously. Just a guy that I really like uh, to fit into my Yadi Molina catcher mold as a guy that's just going to come in and not hurt me. And that's Corey Lee in Houston. Um, you know, they, they don't have a ton of high-end prospects. Uh, so Corey Lee's a touch higher on their board than he should be. But I think he's a very serviceable middle-of-the-road catcher. And I think he's going to take a bit of an offensive step forward. People that own Corey Lee see the first round tag on him and they've overvalued him based on his production. So what I would really target for Corey Lee, if you don't own him already, is let him start the season, let him be what catchers are, slow starters, and then go attack that owner if he's having a rough spring. That's how I want to get Corey Lee. I, I think this is the year he learns how to hit and is ready to be at the major league level because Martin Maldonado is a phenomenal defensive catcher. But if that's all he's bringing to the roster, uh, there, at some point you have to look at your alternatives in Houston, especially if they lose Correa, uh, which we still don't know is going to happen. But if they lose that little extra bit of offense, a guy like Corey Lee could kind of come in and give them just a little bit more out of that catcher position than they're getting right now. Yeah, that's that's a good take. As we said before, uh, I don't know what podcast, previous podcast though, Corey Lee is the as MLB.com ranked before they eliminated players. Although I, th I feel like they still have the minor leaguers. They're allowed to talk about them. It's major league players. But anyway, uh, Corey Lee is their number one prospect in Houston, which is is a problem. Um, mm -hmm. But it also, if you look at the full list, just as MLB has it, look at it as, as I have, which is a list of opportunity. There's, there's 30 names on there who aren't hyped 
uh, not all of them. You know, they're not, they're not highly hyped guys. They're guys who have opportunity to come up and play in Houston. And if Houston is able to maintain their competitive edge, they can win in Houston, which means their stats should be better because the team surrounding them is going to help them do that. So there's an opportunity for Corey Lee to be a big league player, um, but it could also end up like the Connor Wong situation in Boston, where it looks like he could be the heir apparent. And then it's like, oh, right, we do still have a solid option that we trust more often than not, even if it means they're giving up a little bit on the offensive side by having a Maldonado um, kicking around there. So uh, my last guy, Ty, before we get into it, is number 32 ranked former top catching prospect Cal Raleigh with Seattle. You know I had to talk about a, a Mariner, and this is the only one I can talk about. So we can talk about the fall from grace that all of the prospects had last year, um, including uh, Kelnick, his teammate. But tonight we put the spotlight on Cal Raleigh, who was bad. Um, seven walks, 52 strikeouts, and 139 at-bats. The worst thing that happened to Cal Raleigh, Ty, is that he exceeded the um 130 at bats so he's no longer rookie eligible and no longer prospect eligible and that means he's off all the all the lists that give him hope and he just gets dumped down so if you're a dynasty owner and you've got him you're like oh wow he has no value now well he does on your on your bench that's where you want to have cal raleigh you don't want him starting next year for you because i don't think seattle's gonna like give him the ball i think seattle's gonna say we won last year we had a really good hot stretch down the end um, we want to keep that going. We've made our team better. We've got, you know, Robbie Ray is going to need an everyday catcher. So Cal Raleigh, go be Robbie Ray's catcher, you know, like find, <laughs> find a way to make yourself valuable, right? Be, be the skinner to Robbie Ray's Mr. Burns. Well, and being Robbie Ray's catcher is the easiest thing in the world. Cause you have to catch fastball, fastball down and into righties, <laughs> up and away to righties and sliders in the dirt. And that's it. If you can mm -hmm. catch those three pitchers, you can catch Robbie Ray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's and, his catcher ever. And I mean, like the bottom truly fell out, right? We went from a, a triple A season at 324 average to a major league season at 100 or sorry, 180 average. Um, OPS also almost fell in half from 985 to 532. The learning curve is huge. The guy's 24 going into his tw age 25 year. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. That means he's going to pick it up quicker. He's not going to be overwhelmed, or he shouldn't be overwhelmed by the experience anymore. He got to but, do it. He got to struggle. He should now get to succeed. But if you're listening closely, you're hearing a trend, right? All of these guys struggle when they break in. Stop trying to get catchers when they break in. Right. That is the worst time to own a, a fantasy catcher ever. Like in, in his, it's obvious at the position, right? So you look at a guy um, that is, you know, the, the number one catcher prospect right now, he's going to struggle fact, right? It's going to happen. Isn't that so, Gabriel Moreno? Oh, I'm just uh, kidding. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a hundred guys that fit this category. The catcher position actually got stronger in the last three drafts. Definitely. So it has moved way up on the ranking. So, you know, as much as we've crapped on it for a while, we're actually entering what could be a very strong stretch of fantasy relevant catchers, right? And we haven't seen that in a long time, right? The shortstop position changed. Maybe we're going through that at the catcher position right now. It could be happening. Definitely. And and one of the one of the reasons why we have to talk about this is because 2 years ago when we did our dynasty rankings as a joke, but also as a as a sign of our frustration with the position, we 
recorded a podcast in what was it 12 minutes something 12 like minutes. that this Incredible. is actually our longest catcher episode ever <clears throat> already and we're, <laughs> we're at 27 <laughs> minutes in <laughs> um but the reason we did it was because we were so frustrated with the position because you could legitimately punt it and by the midpoint of april or towards the end of the month you could pick up guys on waivers even in 20 team leagues and they would be top 10 catchers the rest of the season it was so simple well we're hoping that there's going to be more of a solidified, you know, top 15 base to draw from that you can start to go into. And and we're going to start to talk about those guys, but we wanted to mention some of the guys outside the top 25 that we think we will see over the next five years uh, to give you an idea of exactly what's going on in that landscape. And guys like Cal Raleigh who are outside um, and others who are like Molina who are outside can all provide value at different times, but it might be you get the Molina value in 2022 and somewhat into 2023, but he just won't be around for the rest of it. And you have other guys like rally who could be struggling and need to rally late. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, 21 could be puke and 22 could be rally. So, Whoa, you, know. <laughs> you, you one up to me. You. <laughs> so let's dive right into our top 25 here, Robbie. And there's some interesting guys in this list. I'm not going to lie to you. There's some guys here that make me really uncomfortable. Um, that they're in our top 25 and yeah. for, for a lot of different reasons, but you know, that is the catcher position to your points that we just talked about, but let's talk number 25, a guy that I like more than you do. He makes you uncomfortable. Uh, Travis Darno is our, is our number 25. This is a guy without the injuries. Realistically, he's probably a top 10 fantasy catcher realistically. Uh, but you can pretty much count on him missing a quarter of the season and it's likely he's going to miss more. half. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's probably reasonable that he'll miss three quarters. Um, so we just don't know, and that's the issue with Travis Darno, and that's why he's as low as he is. Uh, he is getting older, so maybe he's getting a thicker skull, and maybe the concussions will happen less. But uh, who knows? Um, that's why he's as far down as he is. Anything you want to add to Darno there, Robbie? I agree with with the um, take that a healthy Darno is a top ten catcher I, I agree i think i would say comfortably top 15 um but the issue is always health so when he had a good run it was tampa bay and then to atlanta and that's it right like the mets with the mets he struggled so much and now he's at age 33 and we've seen less than three years of good darno but we've seen stretches of success and a career 249 hitter from the catcher position is great like and I just said great for under 250 <laughs> batting average. Like that's what we're talking about with catchers here, right? The rise has to come up. Like the average, I think for MLB was like 246 last year, mm -hmm. or maybe it was 2020. And that includes pitchers, right? That includes guys who get six at bats and will never play an MLB again. And they were 0 six with four K's or something like everybody. So, so Darno is, is just above that, but for catchers, He's in a great position. Again, it's health-related. And hopefully, Atlanta is able to give him the opportunity to get 400-plus um, at-bats this year. And, and hopefully, he's able to do that for himself. But at age 33, I don't think we have much Darno left. And we haven't truly got much from the career. And this was a guy who was like a surefire prospect and then yeah. was in that big Dickey trade a, a decade ago, Ty. That happened a decade ago. Yeah, wow. He was also in the uh, holiday trade as well. Oh, what he was the was he a Philly at that point in time? Yep, he was. Wow, history. It was him and uh, what's his face, the pitcher with the ropes. Yeah, uh, wh whose dad was uh, an all star. Uh, Drake, Kyle Drayback. 
Yes, that Whoa. just shows you how irrelevant he was in Toronto. Yeah, um, double Tommy John really guy. Double Tommy. That's John. right. Exactly. So next on this list, a guy with two of the letter A in his name. Um, <laughs> sweet transition. Oh uh, my Eric Haas in Detroit. I'm not gonna lie to you, Robbie. This is the guy in our top 25 that scares me the most. Oh, absolutely. Because I think way overhyped. Um, yeah. Had a great season last year. No question. Absolutely. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Had a had a great amount of power, right? He had a two thirty one average catcher. Yeah, so this he did this is one it, thing right? great. He he played baseball and he hit home runs. I'm good with that. As a and catcher, he, he I'll came take out that. Of, came out of absolute nowhere because he was a, a rookie eligible guy prior to at the age of 28, uh, rookie eligible for all of your leagues. So um, the one thing that we didn't talk about tie off the top, which we I guess we should have and we've skipped it. So now let's do it here. What thirty minutes in um, with catchers, you can kind of. You can choose your poison if you want. You can say, we're going to go for counting stats if we're in a, a five by five or eight by eight or whatever it is you play. If it's a if it's a category league, you can say, I want to pick my guy who's going to have power because obviously the power is going to lead to some runs and going to lead to some RBIs. But the other thing you can do is you can say, I want my catcher to not hurt me. And I don't think there's really an in-between. So if you're in a yeah. points league, you have to pick a guy who's not going to hurt you. So if your points league says minus one point or minus half a point for a strikeout, you have to really be careful with the high K guys and somebody like Haas who only had 351 at bat struck out 119 times and only had 26 walks. That's scary. Like the, the OBP at 286 overall for a catcher is fine, but his OPS, even with 22 dingers, his OPS was 745. So he is definitely going to be a better points leagues catcher for you than he is head to head, especially if you use negative stats. Um, but in Detroit, I think he's got an opportunity. Now we say that every year about the teams that we are, you know, looking at 500 or less. Uh, our good friend Michael Govier could tell us everything we need to know about Eric Haas. Um, so listen to Hey, it's Enrico Plazo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. If you want to know more about that. And I, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I did. I think I did your service there. <laughs> yeah, that um, was a good impression. <laughs> and uh, he will know because he'll say, this is what I watched. This is what I saw. So whether it's good, bad or otherwise. But Eric Haas, like you said, Ty, scares the crap out of me. There's no track record of success, right? I'm just looking right now at his minors and the batting average is consistently below 260. That's the highest Can I've you... seen for him. 263 hey, it, 10 years ago. Where's Lionel Richie when I need him? Get him in here. T-Post hype, baby. T-Post, and that hype was no, like he's selling hot dogs or driving Ubers. And now he is a Major League Baseball player. Uh, man, it's like it's like the line in uh, Major League when it's like, all right, Jake, I need you to shoot me straight. Can you play a whole Major League season? He's like, right. you got your... yeah. he's just like, it's like he tells him, you better lie to me if you want to make this team. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's Eric Haas right there, like two, two a T. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's upside. But Tucker Barnhart, uh, who finds himself just ahead in this list, is going to steal playing time. Not an if. He's going to steal some of this time. Um, so I would imagine there's some splits here that we don't know about. Um, so, sorry, was he traded this. to Detroit? That is correct. When, yeah, I was going to say, when did this happen? Sorry, uh, I accidentally changed it back. Weeks, months, I don't know. It happened in this blurry offseason sometime. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, but that definitely happened. So he's a Detroit Tiger, uh, and he's definitely going to steal some of the time here. Uh, you know, and it, and it could be just for certain pitchers, right? But at the same time, I think this is a scenario where Detroit is putting their focus on the defensive side of the game. And I think 
I think Barnhart's going to be the number one. And so that's why okay. I, I think he's Haas, split. That's what I, I'm thinking. See, I don't, I, that's what I'm unsure about. Like, I just don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to see exactly how they're going to use it in my mind yet. Like I just haven't got there, um, mm-hmm. but I will eventually, and I will share it when I do. Um, I just, it scares me for Haas more than Barnhart. Cause I think Barnhart's used to being a uh, middle of the road kind of guy, limited playing time. Um, and I think, Haas needs the opportunities or he's going to flounder because of all the reasons you just said about his stats. So yeah, um, that's just where it is. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Barnhart at age 31 Haas at age 28 uh, platoon. Both of those guys had a, roughly the same amount of at bats last year, 351 and 348. And the power was all Haas. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Barnhart was only seven, but the rest of the way, 247 average 685 OPS, for Barnhart, but 48 RBIs and where were the runs here? 80. Oh, sorry. That was hits. That would have been funny. 86 uh, runs would be incredible for him. Uh, 41 <laughs> runs uh, within that time. So, you know, relatively efficient for a catcher. And if you're in your big leagues, we've talked about this before, Ty, depending on your lineup settings, it's not a bad thing. If you do choose to have two catchers on your major league roster for them to be the guys who you suspect to uh, battle for playing time. It's a, it's a difficult thing to have, say Eric Haas from Detroit and Travis Darno from Atlanta. And you're hoping some, somehow in that you're going to get 500 at bats. They're on different teams. If you want to make things a little easier on yourself, Barnhart and Haas are your one, two to go into the season. And you just have to hope they don't suck. Like yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. You know, a couple of years ago, I was talking about Austin Nola and Tom Murphy with Seattle and saying, this is a great pairing. You know, this could work well, out well. And in three years ago, we thought splitting platoon time at first base was weird. So you know, we're in that realm right now for the catcher position. They're just starting to adopt some of the other tools they've been using in baseball. And I think this is a perfect example of that because Barnhart's splits are, are really reasonable lefty versus righty. They're pretty flat, um, even though the sample is much bigger against the righties. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, how they play this. They obviously have a plan or they wouldn't have done it. Um, but yeah, moving ahead, Jacob Stallings next on our list here. Guy that was traded to Miami um, for Zach Thompson. Uh, was there somebody else on that trade? I can't remember, Robbie, or not. But uh, I, I think it was one for one as far as like notables. Yep. And then I think there may have been another guy that left Miami to go because uh, what Miami got, and they, they got a couple of these guys this offseason, is a starting everyday type player here. And, and in Jacob Stallings, they got some consistency. So here's the ER, or sorry, the ERA. Here's the batting average the last three years, starting with 2021, 246, 248, 262. So that puts you somewhere just just south of a 250 average. That's good. Um, OPS is going to hover right around 700 as it has the last three years for him. And uh, you're not getting power, you know, single digit power, six home runs in 19, three and 2020 and eight last year. Um, but what you're getting is a reliable, steady Eddie catcher. And that's exactly what Miami wants to do. Um, they want to have a consistent team this year. They want to improve. They've got a really good pitching staff. They've got a lot of promising prospects in the outfield, um, everywhere, really, with Miami. Like, this is kind of their time to turn that roster into a competitive one. But they're dealing with a very tough division, and Jacob Stallings is there to help through that time. I think he's just going to be given every opportunity to play. And I'm trying to look at his contractual status here to see when he... Free agent in uh, 25. Thank so you. So he a couple of years of, of value there. Yeah. So adding, yeah. definitely adding to him uh, there. But again, this is, this is very much the bulk 
playing time going to chugga 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 get you there not somebody who's ever going to win you a week you know he's not going to have hit. to start a chugga chugga count on this episode it's very train based right we used to have the tommy john train um <laughs> so what's no it's locomotive based yeah very locomotive based so uh but let's let's not get all huffy puffy let's move on to number 21 ty sam huff of texas uh, who uh last that year train, came up. that's not my favorite transition you've ever had um I'm working on him i'm always working on him so Sam Huff, if we rewind just a little bit in the shortened, weird 2020 season, Sam Huff absolutely raked in really small sample size, 31 at bats, three bombs, 355 average, OPS 1136, right? So, you know, headed into 2020, uh, 2021, sorry, everyone is like, this guy's a superstar. He's going to be the best catcher in the world. Uh, you can't trade him to me ever. Um, and so <laughs> no right? amount like, will do. <laughs> so, so this is a scenario where people have cooled on Sam Huff and he's, he is going to shift probably to first base. Like we talked about this in the aforementioned Arizona fall league episode. Exactly. Um, and, and it looks likely that that's where he's going to end up. Um, and that's a great move for at least the next three years, uh, for Sam Huff. Cause he's probably still going to catch a couple here and there, he should hold eligibility in all likelihood. Um, but at the end of the day, he's going to end up a first baseman, which means his legs are a little better. He might steal a couple of bases for you. Uh, but there's real power here, like very real power. Uh, and that lineup obviously got really expensive and better this offseason. And they do have a couple of nice pieces still coming. So I really like Sam Huff as a huge buy this offseason because he's down on a lot of radars. And he's still a very high-end prospect with a lot of pop and he fits some of the guys i like to target at the catcher position i don't care if they hit 230 240 250 but if they're gonna hit 25 home runs i'm in if they're gonna hit 310 with zero home runs i'm in like i really like to hammer one category with my catchers and he really fits the mold on, on the home run side uh depending on where they slot him in the lineup could be some rbis there to go with it yeah and he absolutely has the opportunity Ty, to be a bonus average guy like it's it's totally there like just having a very quick look you can see he has had multiple seasons above 250 including like a 3 i mean we're you know we're 6 years ago now but a 330 season 278 in 2019 which was his breakout year 28 dingers that year and then um 246 last year but the OPS consistently over 800 the last three seasons too like you said it's a powerful guy and here's an idea assume you are acquiring Sam Huff at first base he is your future first baseman what yeah. he would cost as a catcher is very high. But if you are getting your first baseman of the future, Sam Huff's price is very reasonable. I'm sure very reasonable in your various leagues because you can even discuss the fact that there are other catcher um, eligible type guys in the Texas Rangers system who got a shot last year when Sam Huff did not. And then Sam Huff went to the fall league. So Robert, it's possible. Let, me, let me throw this at you as a theoretical question. Who hits more home runs in the next five years. Sam Nick Madrigal. Huff or, oh boy, Whoa. or Spencer Torkelson. Siri oh, wanted say, to chime in really quick. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was Siri's bet? <laughs> she asked which league. I oh, which league? Um, okay. Well, I guess it's, we're going to go with the AL since both those guys are in the AL. Uh, that's a great question. I, I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to take Torque, but that's yeah. because I'm going with, I think like the guy who's just, thinking off the top of his head i i just think torque's a lot further away than people think i think everyone thinks torque okay. has a shot to break tiger camp this year and and i think the tigers have zero contractual reason 
depending on what happens with the labor right. dispute this offseason, like the reality is there's probably going to be a similar scenario, which means the Tigers are probably not in a rush to move Torkelson. Um, so I think next year Torkelson starts where I think Sam Huff's going to have a 15 home run lead, which is why I will take Huff in this bet. Uh, Cause I think he will have 15 home runs this season in Texas. Oh, okay. Okay. That, yeah. I like it. Okay. Next guy up here for us is 32 year old. Uh, the better of the Nola brothers, Austin Nola. He's our 20th ranked guy. Um, he's entering his age 32 season and Ty, he had a really crappy 2021 because of injuries. And despite that, he had a 272 average, uh, 716 OPS, which again, we're not writing home about that because the power was not there coming back from injury. However, uh, excuse me, 19 strikeouts, 14 walks in 173 at bats. I love it. And I love him in San Diego and San Diego should be better. They must. They must be better. And there's only one guy that could really stand in his way um, long term, like next couple years with San Diego. And we're going to talk about him shortly. But there is another guy who moved to San Diego, and that is Jorge Alfaro, who has Jorge Alfaro'd far down. I can't do it. That was I'm trying yeah. really hard. You know, I'm trying hard. I, I didn't know where you're going with that one. <laughs> He has fallen Alfaro down the rankings. That's better. Um, he fell it... from the team. Yeah, yeah, it's better. He fell. Let us know at Dinger's Pod. Was was that pun, the Alfaro down the rankings, better than whatever I said originally? Anyway, he fell from the mid-teens to 34 for us, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are two guys who San Diego must like, must like more and hope more for success, Austin Nola being one of them, because they did pay a decent price for him when they acquired him in 2020, when they were making that first run. Um, but Nola's an average guy. Nola's good to move around the diamond also. And that's part of the reason why I think he's in our top 20 at 20. So what are your thoughts on, on Nola before we move on to his teammate? I just, I've never been a huge fan of Nola. Um, he has his moments. He just, he really doesn't fit my profile for a catcher. And it really is that simple. Like, I don't often target the walks out of my catcher. I'm usually looking for a different stat because I try to get my walks across multiple positions. So it's just not a strategy for me. Um, I like the next guy on the list, uh, uh, Luis Capisano, as the guy this year. I mean, they had Victor Caratini last year as the second fiddle in San Diego. Just to I catch think, Darvish. That was all he pretty was much. Yeah. yeah, like I, I think Darvish was sh- – shitty enough i think i can say that uh, at this point um to to justify not having caratini like sorry dude mm-hmm. you weren't good we need to figure something else out guess what you got a new catcher like and, and the reality is caratini did nothing to deserve that you know designation like ask josh Tolley how how that goes um, how long can you not be a major league player but be in the major leagues correct. doing doing one thing yeah and i again like Darvish has a lot of pitches, but he's not a knuckleballer where the average MLB catcher is going to struggle to catch him like they would a knuckleballer. Somebody Agreed. else, uh, Capisano, Nola, one of the guys will do perfectly fine to catch Darvish. And maybe well, it will be a good thing. And I would love to see somebody that's into the the catching metrics get into what the pro plus minus for Caratini behind the dish on Darvish looks like. 
So if anyone is that person listening, please send us that. We would love to hear about that. Um, but I do think Capsano is just so much better than the rest of the guys in the conversation that I think he's going to get a legitimate shot this year. I The Jorge Alfaro trade to me is crazy. I just don't get what it is they're trying to accomplish with that trade. Um, Alfaro has been nothing but disappointing for the last couple seasons in Miami. Maybe they see something different. Um, maybe they think he's going to play shortstop. I, I don't know what they're thinking in San Diego with that trade outside of the possibility of trading Capisano, uh, which right. there was rumors of uh, Chicago Cubs, Wilson Contreras trade um, as little as yesterday, I think, uh, being rumored as in discussion. <laughs> so it's over, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I just don't know. But I, I'm taking Capisano over Nola this season in, in my mind. Uh, I love Capisano if he ends up in Chicago even more than I love him in San Diego. So, um, you know, if you're a Capisano owner, you I, I would be hoping for the Cubbies trade because I think he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup, whereas in San Diego, he's going to hit near the back. Um, so I think that's a big difference in terms of value. All right. Well, moving on to a high profile guy, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, first overall pick, Henry Davis. Uh, the guy will be headed into this year as a 22-year-old. And Ty, he is a professional 308 hitter with a 111, almost 1200 OPS. Um, and that is in all of 26 at bat. So I think we can just hammer him in much like everybody else did with Adley Rushman. He's a top three guy next year for sure. Uh, I'm joking, of course, everyone calm down. Hall this of Famer? is a catcher. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the reason Jacob Stallings is gone. All right. So that uh, Henry Davis can open the season with Pittsburgh. No, no, everybody. No, but Henry I mean, Davis, should we just change his name to crash now? <laughs> oh man. Should we just I, get it over with and just be it, like, he's crashed nice. from this point forward. Well, what, what I was going to say was he, he really blasted out with the senior year, right? He's always been an awesome uh, average hitter, like three, yeah. three plus average. And then he had what four, what was the OBP? OBP was 481 and 482 in 2020 and 2021 for him. Um, but he had 15 dingers, which he had never had more than five um, in, in college before then. So don't expect 15 dingers to be what you're getting from him. Expect this to be Buster Posey, high average guy, right? And, and to be better and to develop with a Pittsburgh team and ideally a Pittsburgh staff, pitching staff, um, that is all going to work together as one for this like five, six year window that they could have him minimum. Um, but Henry Davis is a guy who should be up somewhat soon, like as early as the end of 2023, if things work out. But we need to know what's up with this lockout. And if they're going to have some restrictions lifted on playing time and contractual things with all these guys to really get the benefit. But either way, Henry Davis is not worth the first pick in any of your dynasty drafts. Don't don't do that. Um, but he is certainly worth looking to acquire throughout this upcoming season, because if he struggles, which would be perfect if they moved him, uh, say to double a this year, perfect he starts to struggle. <laughs> yeah. If he starts to struggle, go get him because this, again, this is an average guy. So don't think of him as the 25 home run guy. Think of him as the 300 average from your catcher guy. And that's not going to impress the average fantasy player, but it does impress the guys who win your leagues every year. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Um, next on our list, Austin Wells, who I know you're excited to talk about easily the best dressed catcher in baseball, oh gosh, uh, yeah. who bossed out in his, uh, draft video, New York Yankees guy moving quickly. I, I mean, I gotta be honest, like he moved way up my list. 
I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I superficially judged the crap out of this kid based on his draft video. Um, <laughs> like, like, I'm just like, this guy is going to be the worst. For a guy with he's... vanity metrics like Utah, it seems sad that you went against because he had he had the chains. He had he had it all rocking. 100%. But you cannot have vanity, vanity metrics pre-pro ball. I need to okay. see vanity in pro ball because if you don't back it up in pro ball, you are buried. You're gone, right? So he fair. has done That's that fair. to his credit. He has backed up, you know, whatever it is that he brings to the table from a style <laughs> factor. Um, you know, 264, 16 bombs last season across Beautiful. a couple levels. Now, big, huge, giant, flashing light, asterisks, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 117 strikeouts at 382 isn't awful, right? But as a guy that theoretically a lot of people have moving quickly, that's mm-hmm. only with A ball, fall league, and A plus, right? So, I 16 strikeouts and 64 at bats in fall. Uh, there's still question marks here. Okay, um, eight, 867 batting average, but for me. I'm waiting till double A before I really make a call here. I want to see what the strikeout numbers do there. The power is going to be there, but is he an empty power guy at the end of the day? That's my concern. Okay. So that's fair. That, that is fair. Your, your comments are fair. Now, uh, first, first disclaimer, um, F the Yankees. Okay. So go moving beyond that. Um, my own personal bias, uh, Austin Wells does the thing I love. Uh, he gets on base. He had 16 strikeouts in the fall league. He also had 13 walks. He had 117 strikeouts for the year. He also had 71 walks. His OBP for the season was 390. He also has OBPs of 527, 389, and 462, dating back to uh, 2019. This guy takes his walks. And I love the fact that he does it because as a catcher, I always thought, why are these guys not like league leaders in walks? Because they know the zone so well from staring at it and they know the umpire and they know the tendencies, but these guys just always strike out. They always strike out. Well, maybe he's going to break that mold a bit, a bit. I'm not saying he's going to change the game, but maybe he's going to break the mold a bit and he'll be able to consistently hit in the 250 range, but he'll also consistently have an OBP that is like 340, 350, and maybe he gets hit by pitches. I don't know, right? Maybe he does the Rizzo lean in, uh, take one. Uh, we'll have to find that out as he develops, but I just love the trajectory that he could be on as a college drafted guy who's going to come up age 22 for next year. And we know Gary Sanchez is not the long-term solution with the Yankees. And a guy like Wells just looks like maybe he does have that bravado needed to come up and be a uh, fit with the Yankees. Now that's a, that's a vanity metric. The, the far, like the hard stat here is that you've got a guy whose stock went up big time last year and that makes him more valuable. And part of the dynasty ranking is what is his worth? if you were to try to either acquire him or trade him for other assets for yourself. And Austin Wells at this moment in time has a really high value. Um, but because of other catchers like Rushman and other guys who are highly touted, he has fallen back. So you might actually be able to get him. I love him as a trade asset right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, moving next. And this is the perfect, like perfect analogy of the difference between Rob and I at the catcher position. Uh, Austin Wells, for me, 25. For Rob, 10. Um, next on the list, Christian Vasquez. I have 13. Rob has 22. Now, Christian Vasquez, to me, is the best comparable to Yadi Molina in baseball right now. 
defensive first catcher has kind of come into his own later in his career offensively. Um, And, and I just, he fits my mold. I love Christian Vasquez, even though he's a Red Sox, it hurts me to say that, but he is the kind of guy that I'd want on my real life team. He's the kind of guy I want on my fantasy team. He just, he's a smart hitter. He has tough at bats and he hits the other, the ball the other way really hard. And to me, that is the perfect middle to late part of the order uh, kind of hitter. And that's where he fits in in Boston. I just, I like everything here. He's shown he's durable, a lot of really good things here. And while everybody else is like, well, he's getting old or they're just not acknowledging the fact that he has decent numbers over the last couple seasons. I'm just sitting here going, I'll take him, send him over. Come on in. Yeah. 31 is not old for a catcher, right? Like that, that's not an old catcher. Um, But what I, what I see and what I saw last year was the confirmation that I thought happened in 2019, which was um, lightning in a bottle. And he hit 23 dingers in a full season, but strikeout to walk ratio was three to one guy had 33 walks, 101 strikeouts last year, 33 walks, 84 strikeouts, 258 average. So, and, and I'm, I'm skipping over 2020, but that's because he, he had decent power. Um, he had seven dingers in, I don't know, whatever, a third. It was, so he would have been somewhere closer to the 20 dinger mark if it was a full season. But again, that's the ebb and flow, right? The average could go up, the average could go down. But in an, his next full season after his breakout uh, offensive season, 258, the OPS was under 700. Um, like I said, again, three to, three to one strikeout to walk ratio, but he had eight steals, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> and and I, like I'm I'm a genuine in that. Like it's great that he does it. If you are a guy who will do things like me, where you'll take counting stats like that don't typically get too high, like home runs uh, and stolen bases, and depending on your league settings, you can add walks and strikeouts and whatever you want to do into that. But if you take home runs and and stolen bases and you're like, okay, I'm going to count those two categories as one category because that way I don't just get speed guys. I don't just get power guys. I can get possibly a mix of both. Now, what do I need need to win my league or win my division or win my week? What, you know, excuse me, what's my number from that that I need to do? Well, Christian Vasquez just helped you out because those eight stolen bases were totally bonus, but he has consistently had four or more stolen bases the last five years. As a catcher, that's a little bit of versatility. It's not going to happen every week, right? You need 23 stolen bases on a year or 26, sorry, to basically average one per fantasy week. But he is able to help you by not hurting you, which we talked about before. And I think a a catcher who doesn't hurt you is an asset. And a guy at 31, like Ty said, who can age out very well, like Molina, can just kick around. But I have him at 22 because I don't think we're going to see the highs that we have. I just don't think he's going to like bottom out and disappear. So there's two things here. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Like there's definitely concern uh, around everything that you're saying. The one thing I will say is that this is a free agent year this year. So that's the first point. Uh, Vasquez will be a free agent after the season in Boston. I always like to bet on anybody betting on themselves, which is anyone is a free agent is that Um, the second part is there's a little bit of a chess match that happens in any, you know, long-term historical like scenario in baseball. So, Vasquez kind of came into his own in that 23 home run season, hitting the ball into right center into the bullpen at Fenway. Right. I was actually at a game with my brother um, for his bachelor party and he hit one right in front of us, which was fun. Um, but that said, I think there's a chess match here that he's going to have some success on. Now, do I think he's going to hit 23 home runs next season? No, I do not. 
but I do think you'll see a climb in the OPS. Uh, we saw 800 in the 2020 season. I think we're going to see something between 775 and 800 this season because I think he's going to get a little pull happy trying to hit things off over the monster. Uh, we might see a slight increase in the strikeout number, but I think from fantasy value-wise, I think he's going to be swinging for the fences, and I think because of the oppo history, people are going to pitch him inside, and those two things go well together in the chess match, and I always bet on a catcher to win the chess match. So uh, that's what I like about Vasquez heading into this season, why I have him up, and, and I like that he's going to get to pick where he plays the season after because Boston ain't going to welcome him back. It's fun that we just naturally do not agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. This must be good for a listener. I hope you I hope you guys are enjoying this. Because Ty, <laughs> Ty and I are not just like saying, you're going to say something good about him, and I'm going to say something good about him. No, 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 no. This is how we we feel about these players. Um, yeah, so anyway, Alejandro Kirk with Toronto. I'd like to give you the floor, Ty, if you want to take it on the 23-year-old this year coming in. Because he is... Very interesting. We do know that Gabriel Moreno is getting like just stupid hype in north uh, north of the border. So if you're up in Canada, as far as as far as everyone here knows, Gabriel Moreno is Joe Carter, and that's a Canadian reference from an American player who hit the home run in '93. Uh, suck on that egg, Phillies, and <laughs> uh, never forget. Right, never forget. Uh, it was 29 years ago, which I'm getting old. Um, yeah, but. Uh, that's that's all the hype, right? And then you've got you've got Reese McGuire in the system, you've got Danny Jansen in the system, and you've got Alejandro Kirk, who is 23 years old, also in the system. So we have him ranked 15th. We both had him ranked in the teams 15 and 16, respectively. Um, what is it that we see? Oh, sorry, what was it? 14 and 18, sorry, respectively. What is it that that we are seeing here, Ty, um, that we like about Kirk and I know you're going to discuss concerns. So please. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the reality here is from a hit tool perspective, he's to me the best catcher in baseball hit tool right now. That's contact and batting average and that element uh, of the game. The guy has a phenomenal eye at the plate, the power he's going to build into. I mean, he's like four foot two. So, you know, the power that he does have is pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, but but the reality is he has a crazy amount of pop. And, and one of the things that I really like about uh, Kirk, and I'm an old school baseball guy myself. Like I, I am a flat swing batting average kind of guy. Like I don't give two shits about backspin and lift and all these. Cool. Everybody else likes it. It works. I will take a guy that hits laser beams in the gap all day, every day. And that's what Alejandro Kirk is. The one red flag and it has nothing to do with fantasy baseball is his throwing arm. That is the one thing that is keeping him out of the everyday lineup is that people run on him like crazy because he's got phenomenal hands. He calls a great game. He just throws like a 12 year old. And that's the big issue. Like he got like the Yankees ran on him. The Red Sox ran on him. The Rays run on everybody. Um, you know, the reality is like, it's just something that, uh he's getting beat on it's keeping him out of the lineup and as as a guy that doesn't have 30 home run pop the dh position isn't the great greatest fit for him in right. a right-handed heavy lineup so i there's a great baseball player here if it reminds me a little bit of rowdy Talese as oh. like he's just on the wrong roster right and I, and i think that's his biggest flaw is that he's just in the wrong place with a ton of catcher depth 
and a ton of right-handed depth. And so if, if you could use him as a trade asset, I would if I'm Toronto because your other catchers are serviceable. Uh, offensively, he's going to deliver. He's going to be there. He's going to be a 15, 10 to 15 year starting catcher in the major leagues. It's just probably not going to be in Toronto. I really, everyone thinks Jansen or, or McGuire is going to be the guy that gets traded. I think it's Kirk and it hurts me because I really like him uh, and I'd love to watch him play forever. But I uh, just, I think he's the guy that has to go. Yeah. And, and the Jays are a very analytical uh, advanced stat based team. So they will know that this is the downfall and they will know that this is an issue. Uh, so look for them to make a play within this. Like we, we were talking about this exact thing a year ago with the three catchers. Well, now we've added um, one more prospect catcher to this mix who had a big season and there's even more pressure to ensure that Toronto isn't wasting more of the years of this core. Um, and I say wasting because they didn't make the playoffs last year. So that's how you waste a season <laughs> in case you weren't sure. Just like any of your contract leagues, if you um, are building towards something, it's not uh, building towards a point at which you will always be competitive. It's a window. And Toronto, the MLB team is in that window now. So if Kirk is not going to get it done um, from their standpoint, they should make a move. They should get the asset that will help them to do it because he's got a, what four, at least four full seasons of control left. So somebody Luis who I think Castillo, has what up? <laughs> somebody who I think has, oh, that'd be terrible. Uh what if he was an outfielder, Cincinnati would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you really switch him on the depth chart now. Yeah. Next up here of number 14 rank for us. And this hurts a bit. This hurts a bit. Omar Navarez, who will enter this year as a 30-year-old. Uh he's peaked very much like Christian Vasquez as far as I'm concerned. But um Navarez will be fine. He'll two to one strikeout to walk ratio. He's going to have an average somewhere north of 265 as he has in five of the last six seasons, um, save for 2020, which was only 108 at bats for him. Uh, but the power is, is fine. It's, it's not great. Like he had 22 in 19 with Seattle. That was the big year, much like Christian Vasquez this past year, he had 11 in what 40 less at bat something like that so um he's a spray ball hitter ty talked about it like i think he was exit below was like in the mid 80s or something right spray ball i love that. spray ball spray ball hitter i'm sure <laughs> yeah. that's a thing yeah. pitcher no, list I'm... must i bet pitcher list has a podcast about it's probably called spray ball it'd be x spray ball x ooh xw spray ball and we're not making <laughs> anyway. fun of of the boys at pitcher list uh you know we love we love the work of of nick and alex um but yeah we also have fun. Um, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Navarez is to me the type of catcher who can fade away, but he's also the guy who, and that's why he's ranked where he is with me. I think he can just stick around this for a while. And this type of a stat line where a guy is going to have 50 runs, 50 RBIs, a 265 average um, with 10 to 15 home runs. That's a valuable asset at the catcher position. It's not all of the deep great. It's solid. All of the deeper stats have said, sell fade on Narve for, three years now and he just yeah. keeps being there so hard to argue uh you just got to kind of ride it that's why i have him where he is like he's an anomaly to me just let him be his thing and you know 20 to or 15 to 20 ranking moving forward uh for five years i like it um next on the list a guy that is gonna blow into town here like a tumbleweed is francisco alvarez youngest uh, guy another, in the top 25 by the way definitely and both of us like him. I mean, this is a guy that we're both on. I robbed Billy B, uh, fan of the show Billy B, two seasons ago, I think, for Alvarez. Um, and, and you know, he wanted some assets. He had just taken over a team. 
Uh, it made sense. And I ended up getting Alvarez and Gary Sanchez in the same trade, uh, which was phenomenal and happy to have him. Uh, but this is a guy, 5'11", 233 catcher. So he's built exactly the way I would like to see my catchers, wide and low to the ground. Um, so that's, that's what I'm after here. Uh, he fits all those things. Um, and, and you know, the numbers are, are excellent. 272 oh, yeah. batting average last season, OPS 941, uh, big, huge thumbs up to the 24 home runs. Uh, and Robbie, even a 55, uh, to 89 walk strikeout ratio, the whole package, it, man. So this is one of the rare guys Rob and I are going to agree on, which, should be a, a note to you, the listener, to put a star beside that this is a guy that's really, really good at a lot of things because um, that's about the only way they end up on both of our list. Yeah, and, and the difference between um, Alvarez and Adley Rushman, because they are the two highest-ranked prospects as well for us, you know, newsflash, um, it, the fact that Alvarez is getting all of his experience at the pro level, Adley Rushman got his with an aluminum bat at the college level. And Adley Rushman, I, I forget exactly, whatever. We'll get to him in a moment when we when we cover it. Um, but Francisco Alvarez will head into this year as a 20-year-old. He's played in high A already. And in high A, as Ty alluded to, he's hit 22 home runs. Like, this is not some... And while doing so, batting 247 and taking the walks, two-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. He was not getting overmatched. He was not selling out for power. This is exactly what you want out of your peak MLB catcher. He was doing it at age 19 with the average age against him, almost four full years younger. Holy older. crap. Like, old, four, sorry. Four years older. Yeah, they're, they're all four years older than him. Like, holy crap. And this is at a lower level. So he's already the young guy, and he's playing against even younger competition um, at the pro level. And, and I love it. Like, guys are going to get drafted this year that are older than him and they are not going to be able to, you know, reach high A. So and Robbie, just, for, yep. for the listeners that are, are watching live, like let's just take a look at the swagger around this side beak that he's got going on in this oh, yeah. uh, profile. Like it's it's wow. for not, uh, Fernando it's... Rodney territory here. So you do you know, think he gets... does the bow and arrow? The whoosh, I hope so. And, and being a Met, he's going to roll. Swagger for days. That's right. You know exactly where he is. And see, see what I did that time. I did not exit the studio. <laughs> oh, that is, that's right. That's, yeah. <laughs> good for you. That's good a for huge you. Win. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I just left on us last time. But, um... So next on the list is a center fielder, uh, Dalton Varsho. <laughs> so... He's on the list for a reason. He's on the yep. list for a reason. I mean, this is a guy that's got some versatility, which, you know, we we didn't see. You know what I found in my uh, prep for this episode was that Carl Farmer had catcher Kyle. eligibility last year in, in Yahoo. Um, funny yeah. enough. So, um, you know, Varsho is going to fit uh, a completely different mold. There's some speed here, uh, which you don't generally see out of the catcher position. I, I'm still really uncomfortable with him being this high. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but there's enough category potential here to put him there i i think he's going to be one of the most over drafted catchers on the board so for me i'm not going to own varsho anywhere because the the high and the low 
is just too far apart for me at the catcher position. And you have to buy in way too early. And, and that's just where it ends for me. Well, I, you're right. And and you said it, Ty. You said he's going to be drafted too high. And that's true. In redraft formats, Dalton Varshaw is drool worthy with potential. But the potential is now dating back to 2019 when he had 18 home runs and 21 stolen bases and 2018 when he had 12 home runs and 19 stolen bases. But last year he combined for 20 home runs and only eight stolen bases. So you can just go get a big bopper of a catcher and get similar production on the home run side or beat the production on the home run side because his numbers combine triple a and major league baseball, not just MLB time for him. And the average in AAA is great, but it dropped a lot. It dropped below 250. He's going to need to be a 270 hitter if he's going to give you less than 10 stolen bases and less than 15 uh, home runs. Now, again, this is under 300 at-bats. If you're going to give him more, if you're going to move him into the outfield and also let him catch, he's going to be more valuable in your bigger leagues because you can move him around and start him. But that doesn't mean he's winning you the league. That just means he's not losing you that week if you would have an injury otherwise. Like he doesn't look to me like a long-term legit starter. He yeah. looks to me like a guy who still has a ton of potential, but he has to go back to something that a lot of players just get away from and that's stolen bases. He's high so on the let, list because of it. But let me read you five guys that are within 20 picks ahead and 20 picks behind him. Um so he's Average across on fantasy pros across all the the major platforms, he's ranked average or uh, ADP at two thirty four. Okay, okay. So just ahead of him at two thirty three, Paul DeYoung. At two twenty five, Gavin Lux. At two nineteen, uh, CJ Cron. And at two eighteen, Andrew Vaughn. Uh, and I'm just gonna uh, honorable mention. So this is just fits into my twenty twenty ahead. Austin Riley at two fifteen. Okay. Wow. So How is on all, people have not learned their lessons by that? Yeah, I'm also confused by that myself. But if we look on the other side of Dalton Varsho, it gets even a little more interesting to me. Uh, Jorge Polanco, Ryan McMahon, uh, we also got Ty France is down there. Uh, oh Bobby Delbeck, uh, and then there was one Freddie Peralta at 261 is outside of my 20, but that needs to be noted that Freddie Peralta is at 261 in Milwaukee. That's insane. Yeah, that's interesting. So a few of the names you mentioned, we'll we'll talk about when we do other dynasty rankings. But one of the guys that comes to mind for me is, I mean, Andrew Vaughn should not be in the same league as no. Dalton Varsho. Andrew Vaughn had a terrible start to the season and a, an awesome, a stellar second half that I must must be getting forgotten by the early drafters and early rankers and whoever um, whoever they're using for those. But NFBC, who I mean, if you listen to two podcasts. Um, you will have heard about NFBC from both of them because they talk about it. We've tried our best to withdraw from that a bit simply because we are dynasty focused, but everybody else has shifted to it because that's where the money is. That's where, um, you know, Justin Mason hosts uh, the events, um, the TGFBI now. So it, it gets a lot of play as a host site, but it doesn't do dynasty. It doesn't do the things that help us, but everybody uses it for rankings and for draft and ADP and all that. Um, but it throws a wrench in it for dynasty because you start to think, Oh, well, Dalton Varsho must be pretty valuable. Then if he's in the top two fifty, right? Like that's, that's a valuable player. There's only a couple catchers higher, but the production has never been there at the MLB level. So huge caution, like huge yep. caution to that. Massive. But just, 
think think of your think to yourself if he would fall to you in redraft but for dynasty which is of course what we're talking about think think about what he can cost you like you know what would you have to give up to get him and then look at the actual production from the players that you're giving up and i bet you it far exceeds what varsho can give to you especially if he loses catcher eligibility which is entirely possible for him to lose it by the end of 2022 yeah i completely agree ahead of him on the list there's a guy that's just a steady eddie for me gary sanchez like I don't care about the strikeouts. I don't care about the defensive metrics. You don't care uh, about the batting average. I don't. Give me, give me 25 <laughs> home runs. I really, I'm fine with that. Like, if I'm not completely taking a loss on a catcher, that's a victory. And so, if I know I'm getting a stat, which I know I'm getting with Gary Sanchez, I'm good. Right. So, I will draft Gary Sanchez later. And I will always draft my catchers, regardless of redraft or dynasty, on where I'm taking them, not who I'm taking. Uh, it's just the way I look at catchers, but Sanchez is an easy one for me to take a little bit later than he should be taken. Uh, and I'll continue to draft him where I can. See, the funny part for me, Ty, is I did all I could to push him further away. Uh, and I could only get him to 12 <laughs> on my rankings. Like I did all I could because he's basically a, a 55 25 catcher which is 55 runs 55 rbis and 25 dingers that's what you can kind of put on the board for him no stolen bases like he he won't attempt it you, you wouldn't want to see it i'm sure i think he's been caught one twice he's been caught twice um but the home runs right if you say i expect 25 from him well last year he hit 23 you know call that a win right um but but he's also hit 34 33 before in seasons it's the average that you are absolutely punting on in 17 he hit 33 home runs with a 278 average. That was amazing. But again, it looks like that was the career year. Since then, he hasn't been able to bat over 232. And last year was 204. However, that was a 50 plus point jump from 2020, which he yeah. still had power in 2020, but he just was not able to make contact with the ball if it wasn't leaving the park. So it's risk reward with Sanchez. We talked about the fact that Austin Wells could be a replacement. I mean, you know, it would have to be a pretty meteoric rise for it to occur in the next 18 months. But Gary Sanchez, in the meantime, his value just keeps going down. And like Ty said, if you want to just pick a guy that you have consistency with, just know that the consistency is likely 55, 55 and 25 on a decent year. And that's that's fine to roll with. But I would I would bet you, Ty, that across the board, the next guy up has uh, way less value outside of us in the industry um and and that's because people are sleeping on it and that's kyber ruiz as we hit our top 10 kyber ruiz is number 10. yeah so what what do you think his adp is before we get into this just out of out of curiosity oh, man. so adp typically depending on where you go if it's nfbc they have two catcher format which is silly but for us helps because that means there's 30 catchers drafted in their 15 so let's just say fan tracks because that's the general dynasty okay. platform. yeah yeah i like that fan tracks um so you want the adp overall or for catchers overall overall uh he's i don't know let's say 405 787 and just for fun <laughs> just for fun nfbc 650 which is nuts that's okay nuts so this is this is the former topped prospect catcher with the Dodgers who after he got moved which we said needed to happen um, in LA he got a the appropriate cup of coffee he's still going to be rookie eligible next year he got 81 at bats batted 284 uh what do you get a couple home runs 14 RBIs and and nine runs so uh, that part's kind of irrelevant because you got to consider 
you know, like, the a full season for this guy. But he is he is primed to just be the starting catcher 100% for Washington. Like, like he's being drafted behind Kevin Pulecki, Jonah Heim, Kurt Casale, Andrew Knapp. Like Austin Romine is ahead of him in the ADP. How is this happening? That doesn't even make sense. Like, this is so insane. Like, Kyber Ruiz is going to be a top 10 catcher this season. It's going to happen. Like, in AAA, he he batted 210 with a 993 OPS, and he had 21 home runs. He gets yeah. traded. Um, obviously, a massive trade with the Dodgers, right? They gave up uh, players that they think are future core pieces. Well, they're in Washington, and this is one of them. And, you know, and he's going to be catching one of the other ones that was in that trade. Um, yep. Kyber Ruiz locked and loaded. And the best part is that it's just prospect fatigue. The guy's 23. This is not a 26 year old catcher who, you know, had a year and a half of struggle or an injury or suspension, like none of it. This is just and somebody who's been buried because they were a Dodger. And if you're ever in doubt about a catching prospect, you go to his profile and you see if he's from Venezuela. Kyber Ruiz is. Boom. And there, you Vanity know metric. he's a superstar. It's a fact. Like, it's catchers from Venezuela. They smack. It just is what it is. Um, and I'm in. I'm all in everywhere I can get Kyber Ruiz. Uh, and if, if you want to trade him to me, you can hit me up. Uh, at Tony Boss or Robbie at Robbie Baseball 1. Or just trade him to the podcast at Dingers Pod. Trade him to the podcast. Just, just, just in your fantasy league, just hit us up and say, hey, I got to trade him. You're not in the league, but I'd like to trade him. Uh, we're next going to talk about a guy from Peekskill, New York, so not Venezuela. However, uh, Sean Murphy is getting it done with Oakland. At age 27, he is hitting his prime at the right time. Uh, he slid just outside of my top 10 um, into 11, and that's you know, not because I didn't like him or whatever. It's I, I do my base ranking. I start to include my stats because they become unbiased uh, counting points for me. And he just fell out. And that's, you know, no real fault to his own. I think it's just the fact that last year was his first full season. Now, yes, he was a full-time catcher in 2020, but the stat line was not from 162 games. So, um, you know, he's solid with the power at 17, which which I like. The strikeout to walk is not ideal. It's about three to one. Average was low last year at 216. OPS 260, but he's a 60 50 type guy. So he had 47 runs, 60 uh, or 59 RBIs to go along with that. And depending on what Oakland does, like if if the bottom falls out here, tie on Oakland as as is suspected, right? They're going to trade from their starting pitcher depth. They're going to trade, um, you know, possibly corner infielders to free up themselves financially what they do is they get back young cheap assets and they just continue to win so i think the al west is going to be an insane division next year and a guy like sean murphy is going to be able to um do hopefully good things i mean really we got to see that average get i mean he, he's never so, been a high average guy he's just got to get that average back up to the 230 plus i i think one of the things that could realistically happen and i would hate to see it but it very well could happen. Olsen to the Yankees. I actually think Sean Murphy could go with him. And I think it would include uh, a counter of Oswald Peraza and uh, Gary Sanchez going back to Oakland, uh, which I think would be really, really interesting. Um, and I think Jeez. makes both teams better given what they've given up. And there would probably be a couple more things coming from the Yankees to make that trade happen. But um, I, I think that would be a very realistic trade. Now, I'm a Nighthawk. I, I spend a lot of nights burning the midnight oil. So I watch a lot of West Coast games, San Diego, Oakland, 
Um, they both have great announcers, by the way. If you ever are on the MLB TV, they're great watches. Um, Sean Murphy takes an absolute shit kicking behind home plate. Um, and there's no other way to say it. The guy is an absolute warrior. And that lineup, uh, the rotation out there, just murders this poor guy behind the plate. So I, I think the reality is as that, that rotation matures a little bit, as they shift out some of the guys that are bit, killing worms on them, this guy has to get better. Um, if he goes to New York and he doesn't have the heavy down stuff that you see with the Oakland staff, I actually think he will survive and, and have a little bit more life to him. Um, it'd be the best thing that could happen to the guy. But this guy's an absolute warrior. Uh, I love this guy as a baseball player. I think there's still a lot of growth on the offensive side. Very late bloomer here. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. So if you look at our top 20, this guy's probably the cheapest in the group. I, I oh, think next pay... to Ruiz. Next to Ruiz. See, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It depends on the owner. Right. Oh, so, so like if you if we're just like who could you uh give up the la- least asset for in Dynasty? Yeah, I think it's Sean Murphy right now. I, I do. I think it is. Um he's older at 27, which is shocking because he's doesn't seem old at all. But um I, I just think there's a very real possibility to acquire him here for very cheap. And I think you're going to get I'm gonna say Wilson Cadrera's value out of him, which is crazy. Um, and, and I think that's just where he is right now. I like that idea, Ty, of who is the least valued catcher in our top 20. I'm going to take a screenshot, um, and I'm going to post that on Twitter and I'm not going to give it as a, like, um, you know, pick between the one through 20. I'm going to say comment below and we'll see who the people say. So hit us up at dingers pod. That's where you're going to find this. We'll try to have this thing run for five days so we can retweet it. it. Everything gets buried with it when you hashtag fantasy baseball, even right now. Um, but I, I like that. I, mm-hmm. I would, I would like to know who other people think is the least valued. Um, who would, who could you give up the least for? And then what would it's be going to hurt you? Cause it might be Austin Nola. It'll, it won't be Austin. Nola. It can't be, it can't be <laughs> good. the guy's too good. I'll just block all those guys. So if it's if you're gonna say Austin Nola, just don't comment. Anyway, um, moving on now to Joey Bart at eighth for us. The 25 year old San Francisco Giant got a huge gift of Buster Posey retiring um, because there's already talk about Patrick Bailey and what's going to happen with that. Well, Joey Bart is the next logical guy up. Now, was it Kurt Caselli who was in San Francisco this past year? Ty, he had like. I think that's who it was who had a couple of like weeks of um, big league dynasty fantasy value. Um, and, and just in saying that, I know I need to crack another one here because <laughs> as soon as I hear Kirk Casale, though, I stop listening. I'm not going to lie to you. So if yeah. you ever wanted my attention, do not say Kirk Casale. You're wearing glasses that have a high reflection. I could still see you roll your eyes. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, Joey Bart sticking to the positive here. This is going to be a 300 hitter in MLB or high, like 280 plus guy. Um, the home runs will be double digits, you know, possibly in the teens. Um, and he's not going to gonna crush you. One of the issues he's had as a pro is a disgusting uh strikeout to walk ratio of four to one. Now in 2020, I'm just looking, it was 41 strikeouts to three walks. That was in 103 at bats. Like, yikes, you know, like that is that is nasty. But let's assume he straightens that out and he becomes that spray type hitter that we like because it's a big park. It's a big park in San Francisco, and you know Ty talks about his disdain for uh, Giants prospects. But the team was so competitive last year, 
that maybe this is something that they'll be willing to roll in to 2022 with is a Posey Caselli mix. What are your thoughts? I, I love what the Giants did. Uh, I still don't know how to put my finger on it because they were absolute garbage the year before. And all of a sudden they're just great. Uh, don't know how that happened. Um, kudos to everybody on the staff, the players, etc. cetera. But um, I think Joey Bart could be the middle of the lineup bat. Um, what was the guy, big, huge right-handed bat that was there. Um, I think he played with Washington too, like kind of a Jason Worth looking guy, but not, not the same guy. A little bit of a more awkward power swing. Played um, with Washington too. Yeah, it was a somebody out there knows the guy I'm talking about. Like kind of like a caveman looking dude. Yeah. Um, I just I can't put my oh, finger on hundred pence. Hundred pence. No, 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 no. That is no. a that is not that. That's a hamster looking dude. Uh, very different. Um, <laughs> so. He is a gorgeous man. You take that back. Uh, but Joey Bart's just a guy that I think is has been buried, and for good reason. Like he needed to get some things right. Um, I, I think you'll see a step forward from Bart. The worst thing that happened to Bart uh, was Brandon Belt taking the qualifying offer. That's the worst thing that happened to Bart's fantasy value this year. I, I do think he's going to start in the minors. So if you're drafting Bart or own Bart, expecting him to be an opening day starter, I think he will be disappointed. Um, I think they will put him down there. Um, to start his rookie status is intact. So I think they'll let him um, get fresh in, in AAA and then bring him up really quickly. Uh, so I think we might see him in May, realistically, not the traditional Super 2 June timeline. Um, but uh, I do think he's going to start down in the minor leagues. That's interesting. Okay. I wasn't thinking that. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Next gap, number seven is Tyler Stevenson with Cincinnati uh this one one of the things that I think I forgot when I was discussing the fact that uh Tucker Barnhart's gone was the that's why I was like yeah Tyler Stevenson's definitely inside the top 10 um clear path to playing time here now he is going to enter this year the same age as Joey Bart however the experience level goes to Barnhart or sorry goes to uh Stevenson and the fact that Stevenson takes his walks has a has a good OBP a good contact hitter um you know, he can be a double digit home run guy, but it's, it'll be low double digits. He's not going to be 20 plus unless something drastically changes, but he puts the ball in play, um, you know, a 50, 50, 10 guy uh, with a higher average. I, I like that in my catcher. And I like the fact that he's 25 and doing it. This, this is the right type of catcher in dynasty who has now caught his value. It's just a matter of, has your league caught on? Has the owner of Tyler Stevenson in your league, um, has he caught on? Does he know what he has? And maybe, maybe go get it or consider, consider that strongly. So here's my big concern with Tyler Stevenson. Um, there was a huge jump for him um, going from like a into double and then into the pros. Um, there's no question. He delivered last season. He had a great season. Um, so I don't want to dump on the guy at all because he doesn't deserve it. Well, I it have sounds a very, like you're about to No, I have a very obvious <laughs> concern about his batting average arc. Um, in he hit 220, 220, 250, 216, and then all of a sudden, starting in 2017, 278, 250, 285, right? And so, my concern is that there's just a recoil here, very similar to what we talked about with Mitch Garver a couple years ago. Now, Mitch Garver didn't get talked about today, and he deserves a little credit because he made some minor adjustments last season. Um, but I, I've, I'm very concerned that this next season, Tyler Stevenson's 
uh, stats are not going to be what you want them to be. And, and I think that Cincinnati team overall is going to be thinner. I think they're going to struggle. I don't think Joey Votto is going to have the season that he had last season. So I just think overall the value that you got out of Stevenson is going to fall off a cliff. Now, does that make Stevenson a bad catcher? No. I think his value is still high. But if you're in championship mode, I'd be trading Tyler Stevenson and finding an alternative um, to win my championship. Now, the four years following this year, different animal. But I think this year alone, I just want to tag that because I do think we're going to see some recoil here um, heading into the season. I, I just I think it's obvious to me uh, that I, there's going to be a dip. His numbers against um, the off-speed pitches were just too good. Uh, and I just don't know that he's going to maintain that. That's the big red flag for me. That's also an Austin Nola thing, you know, being able to hit other being able to hit off-speed pitches, not just being a fastball guy. Uh, but however, Austin Nola is 32, um, yep. whereas Stevenson's 25. So uh, one of the reasons that, again, I like a, a guy like Stevenson is the fact that I can expect them to just be an average guy if the power goes down or whatever, they're still going to avoid massive strikeout numbers by putting the ball in play. So we have now reached number six. Um, and it's sad to say that we have two guys with, well, actually, no, one guy with no MLB experience. Um, and, and that's Adley Rushman, but Adley Rushman is really good at hitting the baseball right now. And even in triple a, um, last year, double a and triple a, I should say, he had a batting average 285 and an OPS 899, um, 23 home runs. It's it's all fine. It's it's just you know everyone values him like he is uh, putting up career numbers at the MLB right now and forgetting about the fact that he's going to start next year as a 24 year old or play next year as a 24 year old. And Tyler Stevenson's 25. Joey Bart's 25. Kyber Ruiz is 23. Dalton Varshaw's 25. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not a, a the youngest guy. Uh, he doesn't have insane power, but he's, he should be able to come in and be a good catcher. I just don't know exactly what to expect. Is he going to be a 70 run 70 RBI guy? I, I don't think so. If he's catching, do you know what he'd be a lot better at third base? Um, but <laughs> the reality here, and, and it's hard for me because like in my MLB, the show team, Ali Rushman is my clutch oppo Jack when I need it kind of guy. Oh, good. Um, Let's talk more about that. <laughs> but in real life, like 23 bombs last season is substantial, right? Like, we can't ignore it. Uh, it's not Wander Franco dribblers up the middle. Um, it's it's real pop. And so for it's me, Sam Huff power. It basically is. Now, if I was to say Rushman or, or Huff, I'm taking Rushman uh, because I do think we're going to see him. But if you want to see some contract suppression, Let's talk about 2022 Adley Rushman because we will not see him till June. There's no chance that the Orioles make that move, um, given that they have a bunch of nobodies catching right now. Uh, they did clear the deck, right? They did send Severino to Milwaukee, so yep. they are the making that was move. out last year too. Right? Yep. But, yeah. So, so they're they're going to make him a major leaguer this season. It's just not going to be ahead of of the contract deadlines. Now that could all change this offseason, right? And if it does. He'll be an opening day catcher, uh, but he's he's still going to have rough patches as any young catcher does. But the years beyond that, the five year window here is is a very strong season for for, for a very strong stretch of play over five seasons for Adley Rushman. 
Yeah, I would put him right with the next guy up that we've got in Yasmani Grandal. If you play in OBP leagues, which we do get questions, mind you, less of, but we do get questions about, um, you know, in an OBP format, Grandal and Rushman could be very much the same player, right? Uh, they get on base. Three, 350 would be pretty much the average for Grandal. Actually, it'd be higher than that, dating back to 2015. So the guy gets on base. He's consistent. Injury issues last year, limited overall. But this is the kind of guy who can be a 77 guy for you. He can have 70 RBIs, 70 runs, and also chip in with 20-plus stingers. Yes, Monty Grindahl is what we hope Adley Rushman can become. So if given the opportunity, when doing rankings, going public with it, Grandall gets the edge. Yeah, he's 33, and yeah, Rushman's 24. But we're talking about a five-year window, and I think Grandall can consistently produce over the next five years a slight tick higher than Rushman. Now, the, the big switch is, of course, injuries, and Grandall ran into some last year. Hopefully, nothing nags and comes over. But we've also had another catcher who missed an entire year that is now ranked higher than Yasmani Grandall and Adley Rushman. And we were kind of selling them two years ago because we thought it was the end um, of the world as we know it, and he did not feel fine. But um, that will lead us in, Ty. What, what do you got on Grandall? Like, just good catcher for fantasy? OPS yeah, I mean, leagues, he's great. catcher that walks, like, I'm good. I'm, that's, I mean, I, he's the kind of guy I would draft. But at the same time, like, he more often than not is just drafted too early, right? So right. It, it really is that simple for me. I'll stay away because he's just, he's not the profile that I would draft that early. It's that simple. Perfect. So next up is Sal Perez, who absolute career resurgence at the age of 30 after having um, missed all of 2019 with elbow trouble, came in and just crushed it in 2021. And we were like, yeah, you know, like lightning in a bottle, right? Well, he came back and like absolutely murder balled it with 48 dingers, 121 RBIs and 88 runs last year. Please don't expect that again. Don't expect to get um, 250 category the counting category stats from those three. Uh, it will not happen. It was awesome. Uh, it was impressive. MVP talk and all that fun stuff. Um, but Kansas City is a team that's supposed to be getting better. We need to actually see the corner infield positions producing for them. Uh, Ty, you have a theory as to how this could happen with Mr. Perez. I just think the frame is too big to stay at the catcher position as old as they'd like him to play baseball at. So I think... They have a soft spot at first base. There's an obvious fit. I think with Melendez coming, I think the obvious scenario is to shift him. Uh, it makes sense for the Royals. It makes sense for Perez. Uh, as much as he's a great defensive catcher, I just think the body can only handle so much at that size. Um, and I think he's too valuable to not have in their lineup on the offensive side. So makes sense. Maybe a year from now, two years from now for them to start that. So, I like Perez. I'm, I'll buy Perez because I think he's going to play for a couple more seasons. Um, I just, I'd like him here over, honestly, I like him over the next two guys on our list, to be frank. Mm -hmm. uh, just, it's, it's hard for me to rank them ahead of Perez, but uh, I do, I do like them less. I'm, I'll say it, Ty. <laughs> We're ages. That's what it is. Yeah. Sal Perez is two years older than our number three rank catcher, uh, Wilson Contreras, who's currently with the Cubs, but even yep. he doesn't know what's going on because they acquired Jan Gomes, who is not in our top 25, but Jan Gomes 
is a starting type catcher or a platoon catcher. And Wilson Contreras is a starting catcher. Now, Wilson Contreras, the stat line um, leads you to have some concern. You know, he's, he's got 60 runs, 60 RBI potential. And um, I don't know, 20 home runs is, is normal ish. We'll say that's a normal line for him, but he does strike out a decent amount. Uh, 52 walks last year to 138 strikeouts. And the OPS should be somewhere around 800 for a typical season from Contreras. It's it's logical to expect those same lines over the next five seasons or so, four, see, whatever, um, but with a new team. And hopefully he can get traded to a competitive team. And if he's going to get traded, it's going to be out of the AL Central, or sorry, NL Central. And I don't know if he would go to the AL Central. I don't know where he would be going that's an ideal fit on a, team on the rise that needs a catcher high Toronto. But um, if it doesn't happen with something like that, somewhere like that, uh, just expect Contreras to be steady Eddie. And that that's what it is. Sal Perez, huge peak, right? Huge peak. And he's had two great years and that's awesome. But Wilson Contreras is a safe bet. Um, depending on the league values for you, he might not be somebody that you want to go acquire. There's a lot of other options. Um, that are in the top 20, a lot in the top 40. But I think Wilson Contreras is one of those steady Eddie guys, like plug and plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, Wilson Contreras has upside still. Like, we saw the peak of Sal Perez last season. No questions. Like, uh, as great as he can still be, that there's no doubt that that was the peak Sal Perez. Um, so, I mean, to me, that that's your question you have to ask yourself. Am I okay with the safe bet of a healthy Sal Perez? Or do I want to bet on the probably the higher upside of Wilson Contreras over the next three years? Like that's your debate. Um, I'll always take the safe bet, and I think that's Sal Perez. Okay, that yeah, it's fair. I mean, you uh, where were you on ranking? I had Perez three, you had him at four, mm-hmm. you had Contreras at three, I had him at four. So yeah, we're we're swapping mm-hmm. there, and then our our top one and two are the same, um, ranked the same. Number two is JT Romuto. There's no reason you would not like Romuto. Again, consistency, also the added bonus of 10-plus stolen bases. Uh, last year, he had 13 previous se- full seasons. He's had 9, 3, 8, 12, 8. So you can expect that to be a category where he can just kind of add a little bit for you, like half a stolen base a week or something. Um, that's that's okay. you know. But he's also not going to tank, which we've talked about before. A guy who can consistently bat above 265 last year finished at 263. Uh, but that again, that's a weekend series that you don't do well and drops your average two points. So uh, Contreras is solid on that, that point there and 31 years old. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and, and for me, um, you know, moving forward like this, this, even the top three, like they're all kind of the same kind of guy at the end of the day. Like you've got Will Smith at one, JT Rumuto at two, Wilson Contreras at three, right? Like these guys are all almost the same offensive player, right? Um, a little bit of pop, a little bit of average. Um, yeah. and, and the runs will be almost the same across the board. If you of take, those, sorry, Ty, go ahead. Of the, I was just to say of those three guys, like, is there any that you like, outside of that group like prez obviously has the highest power upside well i would say of of the smith real muto Contreras trio smith got the edge for both his age which he'll play this year at 27 and his ability to consistently be a power bat um i would expect he had he had 19 sorry in 2019 in an abbreviated uh stint he had 15 dingers 
And in fewer at bats in 2020, he only had eight, but then last year came back with 400 at bats, 400 plus at bats and 25 dingers. I expect 25 dingers from him. I expect 70 runs and I expect 70 plus RBIs. Uh, what he does not do is he does not steal bases like Romuto, but he does have a comparable ability to have the average. He also has a really good OBP. And to me, that's what makes him a better player is that his, the, the more stats you get into in the league, I think the more he helps you, his strikeout to walk ratio is two to one, but in the strike short in 2020, it was one to one. And I thought that was awesome. And that's what I was looking at, right? It was, well, he didn't have all the pop, but he also helped you more. And that that's going to help you in points leagues too. Um, if they're doing that's what we mentioned before the half a point loss for a strikeout or something like that. So, uh, I like them all, but you're right, Ty. Like they're very similar. I would say Contreras is certainly third in that group. Um, and Perez could absolutely be overtaking it. One of the reasons that he's up there for me is just the fact that Perez just gets it done. And at a point in time, you have to say, you know what? I know I had him ranked uh, 20th in catchers for me in 2020. Well, I've corrected that. And it's yeah. it's because he did it after 2020 as well, right? He, he didn't repeat it in 2021. He became a counting stat monster. So if you're a Roto guy, he's probably your number one catcher. And he, and after last year, he should be because he blew everybody away by over 50 points when you count RBIs, runs, and home runs together. He, the only thing he I will say is that I think Wilson Contreras has the highest upside to the group. That's the only thing I'll add to that category. I think he brings the most to the table offensively as a, as a player. But, you know, any of these guys in the top four, I think are moot. Like, I think it's any one of four – is, is going to give you reasonable value, safe value, um, barring injury, which they all have the risk for. But we have spent an hour and 45 minutes on catchers, Robbie. I oh can't believe God. we just did that. That's Wild. disgusting. But I think it's a, a reasonable spot to leave it. Hit oh, us man. up with what you thought about our catcher spots. This is our first episode uh, of the Big Board 2022. We started with catchers because we always do that. Robbie, do you want to jump in? The last thing I wanted to say is uh, we only talked about the top 25 and then we each picked five guys outside that. If you want the list, you want to know um, where uh, Danny Jansen is, where Victor Carantini is, where Mike Zanino is, where Harry Ford is. If you want to know where Ivan Herrera is and all the rest, hit us up at Dinger's Pod, uh, DM dm ty at tourney boss or dm me at robbie baseball one say i want the full list um i love you you know <laughs> uh, just something positive right let's let's be positive here and we will happily give you the full list so that you know what we think and uh, i believe roto ronnie at rotoronnie.com will be taking our combined lists and putting that on his site as well as things come out um, you can go to robbiebaseball.com i'll start to update that with rankings too, um, it is time to sharpen our pencils and get ready for dealing. And this is the first episode. I, yeah, I can't believe how long this one is. Terrible. <laughs> we will we will be better with better players. On on that note, I think it's a great spot to leave it. So until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers.